Mac Power Users, Episode 211, Workflows with Guy English. Hello, everyone. It's David Sparks. Along with me is my pal, Katie Floyd. Hi, Katie Floyd. Hey, David. And we got a special workflow guest this week. It's Guy English. Welcome to the show, Guy. Hello. Happy to be here. You know, I've, I've always been uh, a big fan of the stuff you write because, you know, Guy is is a gaming professional, right? Can we say that? I was for, for many years. Yeah. Uh, I've moved into to the Apple space. Yeah. Recently, but, I, but yeah. But I mean, in all of the Apple space, there's nobody that can speak with any more authority when Apple starts talking about something like metal than you. I mean, you're the guy. <laughs> literally. Uh, sure. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll take it. Um, yeah. There's a lot of really smart people out there, so I don't want to take a crown that I don't deserve. But yeah, uh, yeah I, I know what I'm talking about with that. Yeah, stuff. well, I mean, you spent, how long were you in the in the business? Uh, about ten years. Okay, and and now, as you were saying, you are doing a lot of Apple development, and um, y- yeah, I quit games to write desktop software. So, kind of the inverse of <laughs> of what you might dream of. But uh, I've I've been loving it. It's like a really bizarre, twisted midlife crisis. Yeah, it's like a little bit in reverse. Um, yeah. The games business is kind of brutal, though. So yeah, it, I bet. If I you've bet. been in it, it it does make sense to do what I, you know, what I did. One of my best friends growing up is he's like the producer of that game where you buy the little toys and you put them on the platform and then they show up in the game. I forget what it's called, but um, it's a big oh, deal. I wish I could help you. That's, yeah, it's, it's a big that's deal. It's been copied so many times today. Yeah. Well, he does idea. it, and yeah. it's like I, every time I talk to him, he's you know like as an attorney, I have when I'm in trial, I'm totally stressed out. Right. He sounds like he's in trial every time I talk to him. It's like crazy yeah, the could, development yeah. cycle and the competition and all that. But anyway, and you're also doing Apple development, and you know you do this awesome podcast called Debug that that we were both complimenting you on before the show started. Thanks. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Well, I mean, that's go ahead. Go ahead. No, that that's one of the things I feel comfortable taking a compliment about, uh, mostly because the guests are awesome. Well, you guys do have some of the best guests. And for like Apple inside information, all Mac Power users listeners need to go check out Debug because they get some really great guests in that regard. You recently had a uh, a, <laughs> a retired Apple employee. And you did a six hour interview with him. I, I'm going to butcher his name. <laughs> you're, you're not going to say it, are you? You tried it. You tried uh, it in the pre-show. It's not yeah. that bad. And he's a nice guy. He'll let you get away with it. You want to, do you want to roll with it? No, you Neaton, say. Neaton okay. Ganatra. Neaton Ganatra. Ganatra. Okay. Okay. Well, he just yeah. sounded like a great guy. And, and I saw it, it yeah. was three, it, it ended up being like, like the Lord of the Rings of podcasts. I mean, it was yeah. three episodes and, and at the end they got on a boat. I mean, I couldn't believe it, but, <laughs> but it was, it was six hours and, and you know what? I was fascinated. I listened to all of it because this guy, uh, Neaton joined Apple kind of in the dark days. And yeah, kind of- he joined around like the mid nineties, uh, when Apple was really just circling the toilet and he left, um, after having done a bunch of work, he left on t- basically on the top of his game, uh, being the director of the iOS apps for the phone and the iPod, uh, yeah. iPad. Just crazy. And he yeah. was on the, the the mail team at some point. So, I mean, yeah. he was he was working on the apps that are near and dear to me. 
Yeah. He did Carbon, which was uh, instrumental in getting OS X to be an actual worthwhile product. Yeah, and he didn't, you know, sometimes Apple employees are very hesitant to say much. And Neen, he oh, talked. Oh, he, oh, he was. <laughs> yeah. That's why we got six hours out of him. Yeah. yeah. And so it was yeah. great. And um, it was a lot of fun. And, and you guys do a lot of stuff like that. But what I was going to say is, as a host, I don't think I could have a guest for six hours and keep it entertaining the way you did. It was really, you know, it was quite impressive uh, the way you managed that interview, too. So I would recommend people listen to it just to hear how Guy kept it rolling and kept it interesting. I thought that was great. Oh, thanks. But the credit really has to go to Neaton. He just, he killed it. He was, yeah. he was a wonderful guest. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we're going to put that in the show notes. But But we're really here to talk about how you get work done with your Mac because you've been a Mac user for a a very long time. In fact, maybe we should start there. When, Mm -hmm. when did you first start using Apple products? Um, this used to sound like I was a heathen, but there's been so many people coming onto the the platform that I still feel like an old graybeard at this point. Um, I joined in 97, basically as soon as Apple acquired next and they announced that they would be shipping an operating system. I went out and bought a Power Mac G3 266 with an AV card. Um, and I did so because A, it looked beautiful and it was very cool. And B, because they told me that they would have uh, the next version of Mac OS out, the one based on Next Step, within like 12 months or something. Yeah, I would, yeah. It would support that, that machine. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember when Next was, you know, a separate company and it was like this underground and you would see screenshots of the Next operating system. I mean, the Internet wasn't really a thing at the time. Yeah. So you had to go to the bookstore and buy a magazine to kind of see what the desktop looked like. And yeah. it it was prohibitively expensive. I mean, at the oh, time. It was crazy. It was yeah, crazy. Yeah. I, was in I mean, the school. OS itself was like 10 grand. Yeah. So yeah. it was something I would never get. And. But I knew Steve Jobs was behind it, and I loved the Mac, and I'm like, man, this is this is really cool. And then when you heard uh, that they were coming back to Apple, I, I can totally see why you got on board at that point. Um, so, but, yeah. but so you, one of the, go ahead. Go ahead. I was so just one gonna, of the big things for me, Katie, do you want to go? No, I was just going to ask, so you were a follow, just a follower of Next, or had you been using it at that point and, and just saw this as an opportunity to, to bring it to the masses? or I was... I had been following it. Uh, I was a huge fan and I had gone to the bookstore and I had bought, I had, I had manuals on like mock programming and various next step programming stuff. Uh, I had a bunch of magazines that covered it. And the reason is um, going back to my games background, John Carmack had used next step when he developed doom. Hmm. Um, The doom editor, the level editor was written, uh, was based on next step. I didn't Um, know that. Yeah, and he was a huge proponent, and that made me look at it, and um, stuff like the way that P-lists were done, um, uh, preferences, yeah, um, the way that the, the system kind of fit together in a very logical way. I was comparing and contrast, contrasting that to Windows, which was the platform that I was working on at the time, which had the, you know, Windows 95 and the registry and all kinds of crazy stuff, and 95 especially would just explode on you, especially when you're doing games. If you make a mistake, you're rebooting your system in, like, no time at all. Um, well, I, I remember the registry. That was so fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I still don't It's still around. That. That was a, I know. It's just a bad idea. They need to change that. Um, 
hopefully it's more robust now. I haven't looked at it in years, so don't, you know, don't take my word for it right now. But back in the day, it was awful. Um, and so Carmack sort of turned me on to Next. And then I started reading about it and learning more and more about it. Uh, but you're right, it was cost prohibitive. Getting into it just seemed crazy. Um, so when Apple bought Next, uh, buying a Mac seemed like the cheapest way to possibly get this kind of software. Um, and then you, you waited. Yeah. Did, now, did you ever run it on that Mac or was it a subsequent Mac that you got I to? End, so 10? I ended up running the first one that they released publicly was called Mac OS 10 Server 1.0. And that predated OS 10 proper. Okay. Uh, and it ran a Mach 2.5 kernel. It looked like Mac OS 8 in that it didn't have Aqua. Um, you could change the color scheme on the Chrome. So in OS 8, you could only get gray, but you could change the Chrome to, to blue or red or whatever you felt like. Uh, the Chrome meaning the, like the window dressing, right? Yeah. Um, and it, it still had display PostScript as the, the, the renderer rather than Quartz. Um, so it was basically a ported version of OpenStep uh, with a Mac-like theme on top of it, effectively. I liked it, and I learned how, that's when I started to learn how to program Cocoa, and I ran that for as soon as it came out to until OS X came out. So, I don't know, a year and a bit, probably two or three, maybe two years. Um, but for a long time, it was on classic Mac OS, which I had not planned on. Yeah. Now, did you intend to get into, uh, I guess, Mac game development at that point, or were you indie? Um, I'm not really sure. I just don't know enough about what you were doing at the time. So at the time I was working on games, um, in terms of what I wanted to do, it was not games. I mean, that was my day job. Yeah. So I was willing to try anything and everything else. Um, the original Mac had learned how to program with the toolbox and all that, uh, but it was a lot of work to get anything off the ground. Um, when OS X Server came out and Coco effectively came out, um, I started doing little utility stuff. And um, they had they had an app called um, Digital Librarian, which I tried to clone. It never really made it to the Mac, but it was a collection of um, uh, I don't know how you call them, but like like Shakespeare and effectively open source works, public domain yeah. works that you could search through and find little quotations on. Like Bartlett's quotations, uh, like a thesaurus, uh, Shakespeare's quotes, stuff like that, which I tried to clone just because it was a way of learning the system. And I, and I really loved the way that AppKit and Coco worked. So that's what I dove into. It, you know, it's, it's strange because I, I was into programming. In fact, listening to you, uh, on the show, when you talk about being a kid and first getting into it, I had a very similar path in terms of, you know, I was writing, I started with like assembly code on, you know, the, um, on the, uh, on the Apple two. Nice. And then I did some, <laughs> then I, a friend of mine got an Atari. So we did player missile graphics on that on Atari 800. We thought we were really mm -hmm. cool. And so I was doing like the similar track you know starting with basic and then starting to getting into something more objective but then i just kind of checked out for a long time and then suddenly started playing with programming the last couple of years and it's really a hobby for me just something fun but it's amazing to me um how far all this stuff has come i mean it's it should be obvious i guess but 
it really is a different world than the one you started in. Oh, it's night and day different. Um, so much. I mean, if you do listen to the show, you'll know that like one of my constant questions is uh, how do kids get into this anymore? Yeah. Because it, you know, to me, it seems really intimidating to just jump into the, to the deep end. Uh, like when we were young, when you started doing, you know, like what you were doing and what I was doing, you could write a program that seemed kind of professional, right? Yeah. Uh, these days you can't do that. Um, I remember I wrote a program in basic on the Apple II that was a, a simulator of a World War II bomber. And oh, that's cool. So it drew a little airplane in the middle of the screen and it, li- it literally drew it <laughs> so you could watch it draw it <laughs> and then it would plot where it was going. And then you push a button and it draw two lines from the lower left and lower right screen to the center, you know, like it was shooting. <laughs> and my friends and I thought we were just, that was it, man. We were. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now if you're a kid getting into this, it's like, well, are you going to have a web portal? Are you going to, I mean, I don't even yeah. know where, where do they start? I agree. Well, it's, well, I, I do think the web is the way that kids go. I mean, kids have a wanderlust, right? Like they're going to find something cool to do and I can't even predict what it is. So I'll, I'll be amazed when I see it. Um, yeah. You know, like, uh, like Minecraft mods, maybe that's what they do. I, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a, there's fertile ground for them to do it. But our fertile ground has kind of withered and gone away at this point. Yeah, well, it's evolved. Yes. Yeah. Evolved out of existence in a lot of ways. Um, well, yeah. I know it's kind of early days, but do you see Swift at all leveling the playing field or or at least allowing people who haven't gotten into it thus far having a fresh place to start where where everybody's kind of starting over a little bit with Swift or um, or not making much of a difference at all? Maybe. Um, I love Swift Playgrounds. I think that's a great idea. Um, anywhere where you can type code and see it instantly evaluated, I, I think that is, I think they picked the perfect name for it. It's a playground. Um, you get to experiment and get real-time feedback. Uh, if you have a, a syntax error, it points it out. Um Swift itself is a language I like, I don't love, but I'm not sure if that's just uh, years of being married to Objective-C. Um, well, and it's not a finalized language yet, is my understanding still. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, the, pa- the the most recent release seems pretty good. The first release soured me a little. There was some weirdness there that, that I didn't like. And to their great credit, they've corrected pretty much everything I was complaining about. So good on them. Um, I need to actually use it in anger to, to, to try to achieve something. I, I, maybe that's a bad expression. I, I need to use it to achieve something Yeah. Uh, before I can evaluate it properly. Um, the playgrounds, and, and to your point, Katie, I, I think that's brilliant. Um, the demo that they did on stage at WWDC where they're making a game and you can see exactly what's happening, I, I think that's wonderful. Um, anybody who's trying to learn that can get that kind of real-time feedback, I, I think that they have uh, a real leg up on the process uh, that, 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 you know, we didn't have when we were coming up. And I'm, I'm excited to see what that uh, enables. 
Yeah, in, in some ways, starting now is harder because there's this just this rich body of things you need to learn. Right. In some ways, it's easier because, you know, with this type of programming where you've got modules you can plug into and the whether you're on Android or iOS or on the web, people have written, you know, basically components you can jack into whatever you're trying to, trying to build. It, it allows you to do a lot of things that just wasn't possible when we were trying to learn this stuff. Yeah, so for me to to draw bitmaps, um, I ended up writing eighty eighty six assembly code, eighty three eighty six assembly code. Yeah, that, that would blit pixels directly to the to the frame buffer, uh, and double buffer it. So you'd have to swap the buffer. Like there, I, this is not a super technical show, but yeah. suffice to say, you used to have to do a lot of crazy stuff in order to get pictures on the screen and to animate them. Yeah, that was hard work. Uh, now you don't. Now you can use higher level frameworks and, and build off existing, existing knowledge in order to make something really cool. And um, while I will always value the way that I came up, because it educated me and informed me about the way that computers work in general, uh, I'm eager to see what happens with people who are starting with this, this foot up. Yeah, and it's wonder, we sit here and wonder because we're thinking they'd, they're not getting that fundamental education we had but then mm -hmm. there are certain people that you know made you know wagon wheels and then they started coming out with you know different technology and all the wagon wheel makers were angry because the young kids didn't learn, know how to make wagon wheels right but yeah. who cares you know? i mean the, the, so the one thing i will say about that is that um the people who learned how to make wagon wheels had an understanding of the um uh, the material forces that will be affecting the, the thing that they're making. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, like the basics of making a wheel are important. That's why a wagon wheel has X number of spokes, and that's why it's Y diameter. Um, yeah. I think that is important. And if you start from the premise that, like, well, wagon wheels are free, that's great, but, you know, in your career, you're going to need to know why a wagon wheel works like a wagon wheel. All right. We, maybe, we're gonna, maybe this is a hackneyed me metaphor, but no, no. But you know, at some point, you're going to need to know how the machine actually works. Well, and we're, we are going to get into more of your workflow and specific stuff. But I want to talk about this subject for just a minute because uh, not as frequently as you hear the question, but we do often hear from listeners saying, "Well, I want to get into this stuff, and where do I start?" and you know, what should I do? And I know a lot of people are looking at Swift as a jumping-off point, and. And what are your thoughts on that? Is that something that'll work or does somebody need to go back and start a little further back down the road? Um, so this is a question that comes up quite often and like people ask me often and I never have a satisfactory answer for me because um, I'm not starting out. And when I did start out, things were very, very different. Uh, it used to be I could point people to Aaron Hillegas's um, book. I'm going to blank on the name. Yeah, uh, it's, it's the Objective it's, C Development, I think, or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, basically, yeah. look up Aaron Hillegas and just buy. It doesn't matter what it is. Who cares? It could be a greeting card. Buy it. It's fine. He's, yeah. he's great. Um, he You'll runs, know how to code after you read it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He runs Pregnant Ranch. Very, very smart guy. Um, but I started before that book came out, like years before that book came out. Um, so I used to be able to point people at that, 
these days I'm not so sure because of, of Swift and because I'm so divorced from when I started out and the landscape has changed. I'm never really clear on what I should tell people to embrace first, but I think Katie had a great point and I think, you know, get Xcode and start looking into Swift. Everybody is starting off at the same place. Everybody's eager to help everybody else. There's nobody that's going to look down their nose at you if you don't understand what you're doing in Swift. Um, Swift is a great language. I mean, I got a couple of quibbles, but I'm an old grumpy man. But Swift is a great language that looks to be the future of everything Apple will do. Swift also enables you to access all of the stuff that's come previously, including all of the frameworks from AppKit and Foundation and, you know, the broad Cocoa frameworks in general, and a bunch of, you know, C libraries and, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, if you want to start to learn programming on the Mac or iOS, I, I would suggest looking into Swift. Um, the, on the other hand, something I know very little about, I think the web is fascinating. And, you know, JavaScript, Swift, <laughs> JavaScript yeah. and web technologies, uh, I I think, hold a lot of promise. And I think that a lot of young people will find a lot of traction in that, in that they'll be able to create things and show their friends um, and get that kind of positive endorphin feedback loop, which I, I think is fundamental to enjoying programming. And, you know, if you want to learn JavaScript, there's there's a lot of good resources. But one that I really like is Code Academy. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's CodeAcademy.com or .org. I don't remember. But I did their JavaScript course. And it took, you know, I was knocking away at it for like an hour a day for two or three weeks. And uh, when I was done, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on JavaScript. And this is kind of like, you know, what Apple has going in that you get immediate feedback. You do it in a browser. And they take you and baby steps through and you can have almost no programming knowledge and, and have a decent understanding of JavaScript with just a little bit of time in there. And all this stuff serves itself as well. I think if you're just getting started, I would recommend play a little bit around with some of the web stuff and play a little bit around with the iOS stuff and kind of get your feet in both both pawns a little bit. You know, you don't need to commit to one discipline right away. Right. Well, I think just get excited. Yeah. Get excited and want to make something. And then, you know, down the hurdles, figure it out. Um, there's a lot of opportunity right now to, to learn these various things. And, uh, you know, kids are amazing in that, you know, if, if they get obsessive about something, they will not forget it. They will just, they'll, they'll go after it like crazy. And I yeah, think they that's have amazing. Near <laughs> limitless energy and time. So if you get them excited about something, interesting things will happen. Yeah. Well, I don't even want to say if you get them excited, if you're, if you're a youngin and you're listening to this, first of all, you're very invested already. So yeah. good work. Uh, second of all, find what you want to do and just chase it. Uh, there's a lot of great opportunities out there and I'm sure you can learn so much stuff so much faster than, than, than I did. And I'm looking forward to see what you have to do. Now, now let me pivot here a little bit. Uh, you so you were very busy in game development, and you were quite successful at it. And 
and you decided, no, I want to go start making Mac apps. And what was it that drove you to make that transition? <laughs> um, I, so I was a, uh, yeah. And I'm, I don't, I don't want to go negative after I just went so, so positive, but uh, I was at Ubisoft at the time. Uh, yeah. And we were working on a game, a Star Wars game for the, for the PSP, um, uh, PlayStation Portable. Yeah. And I, the, just the process sucked. I, I hated it. Um, it was a very hard project. I'd been on a lot of really hard projects. Um, I was doing a lot of the audio coding, which was great because the Star Wars audio is amazing. And I got to work with some great audio designers. Uh, but I was kind of, because I became the audio guy, I became the audio guy for the, for the entire PSP platform at, at Ubisoft at one point. So it was not just a Star Wars game. It was a bunch of other games. Uh, and consulting with other projects and, and doing that kind of stuff. And ultimately I, I one day I just figured out that's like, look, I'm working on star Wars and I hate it. Wow. And if you told, yeah, exactly. If you told me as a kid that I would one day be working on a star Wars video game and I would really not like it, I, like I would not have believed it for a second. Um, and then, so I just decided like, well, I actually really enjoy doing what I'm doing on the side, which was programming Mac apps in, in Coco because it was, a, it was night and day different. Yeah. Uh, like desktop apps. Um, and at the time, Rogamibu was hiring. So I interviewed, I, I asked them for an interview and uh, I, I got the job and I quit Ubisoft. Um, it's not that Ubisoft was bad or that the game was bad or that the team was bad. It was just that... Um, you get to a certain age in that kind of uh, environment and, you know, I don't want to be working weekends for a dumb game. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't want to be working till midnight. Uh, I wasn't a kid anymore and I didn't, I, I wasn't disillusioned enough to think that this was a work of art. Not that games aren't art, but this was a work of industry, right? Like I was pumping something out that nobody really believed in that much. Uh, in order to make a buck, and it 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 was disillusioning, so I I left and then went uh, to work for Rogamiba. You know the po the positive spin on that for me is number one, Rogamiba is kind of an awesome company. Oh in fact, yeah, we're, we're yeah. using one of their products as we record the show. I bet. Okay, yeah. So, yeah. but the um the I've always said on the show frequently that the best the biggest asset apple has is its development community the the people making applications for the mac and and at least a certain category of the ios developers um truly love making useful functional beautiful software and you just don't experience that on any other platform i mean i i'll stand behind that i mean in any app that you truly love on the mac Go look for a similar compatible app on a different platform, and it's just not there. There may be something there with similar functionality, mm -hmm. but it's not going to work as well. It's not going to be as pretty, and it's not yeah. going to get out of your way and let you do your work. And there's just a certain type of person that gets attracted to making that kind of software. And, boy, we're just so lucky to have folks like you and the Apple community <laughs> making this great software. I mean, I mean, uh, one of the apps, you know, Napkin is one of the apps that, that you make and I, I use it every day. I love it. 
Oh, do you? Oh, that's great. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I, I was surprised at how many lawyers use napkin. Oh, yeah. All that the time. That was not what we intended, but I'm very happy, very happy to hear it. Did it make you feel <laughs> at a certain level that somehow you'd failed? <laughs> no, no, no. Not at all. I, 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 I like to make stuff that people find useful or make, you know, make them happy in the case yeah. of games. Uh, no, no. If lawyers want to use it, that's aces with me. Yeah. And I'll do everything I can to support them. You had a question, Katie? Well, I was going to say maybe that's probably a good time that we can pivot a little bit because um, after the iPhone out came out, I know that you started working and developing more for um, iOS software. Um, but then right. it seems you came back to the Mac when you started working with Napkin. So are you are you still actively? So here, yeah. It kind so of explain here, that here, here, transition and then that transition back. So here's the story of that. Um, I started with Rogue Amoeba. And we did desktop software. Uh, the iOS wasn't uh, out yet. The iPhone wasn't out yet. Um, the first app I did with them was called uh, Radio Shift, which is effectively, I mean, they're not legally allowed to say this, but it was TiVo for internet radio. That captures the idea in that we had a guide listing and you could subscribe to certain shows and we would go and record them. Uh, and they would show up effectively like a podcast. So it was... It was before the sort of the peak of podcasts and, or at least the, the, the acceptance of podcasts have now. And we would take internet radio that was um, time-based and more or less turn it into a podcast subscription that would show up on your, on your Mac. Uh, so it looked very much like iTunes. There was a quote-unquote store section. There was the guide that you could go and browse through and subscribe to stuff. Um, and... So that that's the first Mac desktop shop software that I that I shipped, um, and s shortly after that, uh, the iPhone came out, and we decided to do um, an iOS version of Radio Shift, uh, which we had the guide, but we wouldn't do recording. You could just do live listening, I believe. I can't remember the exact specifications, um, and so I, I I did that app. And it was great. Well, at least I liked it a lot. Uh, and But the one problem is that we could not stream WMA files, which is uh, Windows Media Audio files. And the reason is, is that the only thing outside of Microsoft that could do it was a, a GPL-licensed library. Uh, and we can't embed the GPL into an iOS app because of... GPL is weird. The way that you particularly put an app together with, with regards to linking and all of that matters. Uh, so we didn't touch it. Um, I really liked that Radio Shift Touch app. I, I thought it was great. And it came out soon after the iPhone came out. Uh, but it got blown away by another app, which, guess what, just took this GPL thing and embedded it and basically said, you know, gave the, gave the middle finger to to the people who'd written the the GPL thing. Yeah. So I don't know whatever happened to that, but you know, they they basically gave it out for free or for very little money and we were charging nine ninety nine because Rogue I mean but I, I think rightfully <laughs> thinks its software has value. Um and so that 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 product kind of failed. And around that time um I took on a client 
to do what became Tap Tap Revenge, which was an early game on iOS. Uh, it was a huge game on iOS. <laughs> yeah, it became, it actually yeah. became huge. It became a huge hit. Uh, so I, I, I was, I, I took that on because of my, my background in games helped. Uh, the fact that it worked on the PlayStation Portable helped because it was an embedded system. So I understood the, the, uh, the necessity and the, the limits that the, the iPhone faced. Uh, and I had a lot of experience on the Mac. Um, so all of those three things kind of came together to, to see me to be the, 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 you know, a good choice to put out, um, tap, tap revenge. Yeah. So I did that. The, the initial one was, uh, nature wrote most of it. And I basically just fixed up the menus and tried to turn it into a real product. Uh, the second edition, uh, I rewritten the engine and, um, scripting engine and, and sort of recreated the entire thing. So that's what I did for a few years. And eventually, um, I ended up leaving Rogue Amoeba in order to, because all of this time, well, not all of this time, but for a, a, a bunch of this time, I had been working on my own Mac app, which would go on to become napkin, um, which I really wanted to do by my, by myself. Um, and so when I left Rogamiba, I'm like, look, I'm, I'm spending a bunch of time on this thing that's my own and the, uh, a bunch of other time doing iOS stuff. And Rogamiba, I don't want to say they weren't interested in OS, but they couldn't address iOS because of the, uh, the rules that Apple puts down. Yeah, there was a lot of limitations where yeah. traditional Mac app developers were used to kind of having their way with the machine. Yeah. And iOS, I mean... Yeah, I don't know what to think about that. In some ways, it's frustrating when you see companies with brain power like Rogue Amoeba staying away from the platform because of right. the limitations. But then the other hand, I'm looking at the news about all these Android devices <laughs> that have been subject to all these security, you know, um, violations and problems. I'm like, well, maybe Apple had the right idea. I don't know. I agree. So I've never worked with the smartest men of people smarter smet smarter set of people than I have at Rogue Amoeba. Um the 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 amount of brain power that they had and have is remarkable. Um that said, a lot of what they do is very in-depth hardcore engineering stuff. And a lot of that is denied to them on the iOS platform. Yeah. Um and you know, increasingly, the the Mac is constraining too. Um. So then you, so then you went out and you yeah. created Napkin. So yeah, so I I went out. Well, there, there there's a bit more of a story to that. Uh, so I worked <laughs> on I, I worked on iOS <laughs> contracting for a while. Um, yeah. Uh, the Tap Tap Revenge guys got bought by Disney. Uh, I was in discussions with Disney to set something up in Montreal for a while. And that, that fell through. And when that fell through, I was like, okay, I don't want to have a relationship with these people anymore. Uh, not that any of them are bad, just that I needed to move on. I'd been doing it. I'd been relying too much on this contracting stuff. Um, and so I went to Chris Parrish and my, my, my current business partner. And I said, you know what, let's get, let's team up and get napkin out the door. Um, cause the reason napkin hadn't shipped was not that, um, 
it wasn't capable of close to shipping. It was that I didn't have uh, the impetus to, to ship it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, when you make a promise to a friend, you're like, okay, well, I'm going to follow through on it. Like, we're going to make this happen. When it's just to yourself, you can keep putting it off. I, and I, I have and the same I, and experience I in my off. life. You yeah. know, you, you have projects you want to do for yourself, but those always get put in the back seat to anything else. Right. Yeah. But when you have a project for a friend, it you know, or somebody you respect, uh, you know, things change. Yes, you, exactly. Yeah. An accountability partner, if nothing else. Exactly. Very much so. Yeah. I, I want to talk a little bit more about Napkin and, you know, how that worked and how you work together on it and, and how it's going now. But before we do, I want to take a quick sponsor break, if we can, and talk about our exclusive sponsor for this episode. Uh, and that is our good friends over at Smile Software. Uh, and they've asked us to tell you a little bit about their awesome product, PDF Pen, uh, this episode. And I have always been a big user of PDF Pen. It is the all-purpose PDF editor for Mac. In fact, it has become my default PDF viewer and editor on Mac. And I've had an opportunity to use it these past couple of weeks in a little bit different way than I have before. Um, I actually just recently started back to school, and one of my professors gives us these handouts, you know, that are basically PowerPoints that are printed out in handout format where you're supposed to take notes on the side. And, you know, that's just not going to work for me. And so she distributes these in, in PDF format. And with PDF Pen, I can do some awesome things with these handouts. Um, first off, I can pull these handouts into PDF Pen, and it will automatically ask me if I want to OCR these documents. So now immediately, these handouts, which are basically outlines for the class notes, have become searchable and immediately uh, much more useful. Uh, and it also has a great feature where you can fill out forms and create form fields if you have the PDF Pen Pro version. So with one click of a button, I can tell PDF Pen to search for all of the form fields in this particular handout, which is, you know, all those little lines on the side of the page where you're supposed to take notes. And PDF Pen will read those as big blocks of text fields. And now I can go ahead and type in those fields without having to print them out like everybody else in the class does and handwrite notes on those. I can also use PDF Pen to add in text, to highlight things, um, to correct text if I find something, if I want to annotate on it, if I want to make notes. Um, I can even take it on, take notes on my iPad and draw directly on the screen with a stylus because PDF Pen has support for a number of different styluses. And uh, so whether I'm taking notes on my Mac, whether I'm taking notes on the iPad, it's great because I can keep these handouts in PDF Pen and it will all sync up together either via Dropbox, via iCloud, via Evernote or a Google Doc or whatever type of, of platform that you want to use. It's all available to PDF Pen. Uh, they've got a ton of great features, including one that they uh, recently added that I think Greg said that I got the feature request for. Uh, uh, they've always been able to redact, but now you can redact via AppleScript. So if you've got a document that you want to send to somebody, but you always want to redact a certain name or a certain piece of information, you can now do a find and redact via AppleScript. It's absolutely wonderful. So you can go check out PDF Pen for Mac. Uh, there's a regular version available for $59.95 or the pro version is available for $100. Uh, there's also a free trial. Uh, it's available either direct from Smile or on the Mac App Store. And you can go find more information at smilesoftware.com. So thanks to Smile for their great support of Mac Power users. And we'll be telling you a little more about them later. 
So, so guy, uh, you got your partner and you shipped your app and it's napkin. So let me, let me be your, um, cheerleader for a minute. So, cause I, I just think it's a great application. Uh, so what napkin does, it's one of these apps that, you know, there, there's other apps like this out there where you can annotate, um, an image, you know, and you can add there's, you can do all sorts of things with it, but nobody had ever given this category of app the kind of attention I felt like it really deserved. And and that's where I think you kind of delivered. And, and this kind of gets back to that theme I was talking about earlier about a certain kind of person that develops for the Mac and how lucky we are to have you guys. Because uh, Napkin, I use daily in my in my professional life, and it it really does a great job of just being present and giving me, it's not connected to any online service where I've got to have an account somewhere and it, it just, it just works. And uh, so you can do it. You can mark up a screenshot, you can sketch a quick diagram. If you look at some of like the screenshots, even in some of the stuff I've published, it's mm-hmm. all napkin stuff. And, um, and that app has now been out what now for about a year. How long has it been out? I've kind of lost track. A year, year and a half. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a great application. I recommend people go check it out, but Tell me a little bit about the development process of this. We've been kind of dancing around the fact that you're this Mac developer, but yeah. you know, getting to the workflow stuff, how do you even get started making something like Napkin? Well, okay, so it goes back to Rogue Amoeba um, and the development of VideoShift, the Mac. Yeah. Uh, we were, it's, you know, it, I think that was the first product that Rogue Amiga rogue amoeba <laughs> undertook after sort of the delicious generation stuff kind of kicked in in the yeah. um rather than just sort of slavishly following the human interface guidelines uh we wanted to do something that um had some unique design merit Not- yeah, and just for just for a little background yeah. on that for listeners i mean for the longest time the big selling point of the mac was everything works the same. And right. Apple had this, the, the HIG, the human interface guidelines. They had very specific rules about how do you open a window, how, you know, even button sizes and shapes and everything was very specific. And then I guess uh, delicious library gets credit for this. I, I don't yeah. know if, if um, I don't know if that's appropriate or not, but it seems like that's what they call it. Delicious library. This app comes out and just threw all that stuff out the window and made this delightful interface for storing you know, a library of your things and your books. And everybody said, Hey, you know what? Maybe we should try that too. Well, the great thing about delicious library is that it didn't throw all that out the window. Um, okay. So I screwed that it, up. No, yeah, I, no, I, I wouldn't say you screwed it up. I, I just want to, um, yeah. Sort of make sure that the, 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 the people understand, uh, delicious library did not throw up stuff like the system wide font the way buttons should be sized, uh, the way things should be placed. Like they didn't like, okay. It was always on the right rather than being on the, on the left as is the case of yeah. windows. Like they, they kept to a lot of the system standards. What they did is that rather than presenting a dry list, like a table view of books, they presented shelving with nice yeah. images and, and nice, uh, like graphical effects. And that's one of the things that really made me decide to get into the Mac because I, I looked at that app. I'm like, look, I can do this because I was in games. I'm like, I know exactly what they've done here. This is awesome. I can do this. Uh, not 
which is not to diminish uh, Shipley or Mike Mattis or anything, but I could see the techniques and I was excited by the design direction. Um, so that's kind of what guided the delicious generation. And that's a coin, that's a phrase coined by uh, my friend and uh, former boss at, at Rogue Amoeba, uh, Paul Cafasis. He wrote a great post called uh, The Delicious Generation, which really sort of solidified and coined the term. I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's worth Googling and it's still worth a good read. Um, yeah. So napkin kind of, uh, napkin. Uh, so radio shift kind of came out in this era where design was becoming a real thing. Um, and we were going back and forth trying to figure out how we were going to design stuff. Um, I'm, I, I don't think any of us are 100% happy with the way it came out, but it came out pretty good. But the process itself made me realize that there was really not a great tool that would enable this kind of conversation. Um, and I work remote for all of my clients ever. And so I, I have a lot of occasion to be marking up images and telling them that this is wrong or we need to do this or asking them to point out to me exactly what they think is wrong. And napkin um, seemed like the best kind of tool that I that I could think of at the time to to enable that kind of really quick communication. So that's yeah, that's, scratch that's your own itch, as they say. Yeah, 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 a little bit. Um, now, when I because we talk to writers often and other people who do kind of project planning, mm -hmm. and it's it's always kind of a question. You know, how do you get started on the process? Like as a, for a writer, do you just open up word and start, you know, in the beginning, do you type your first sentence or do you plan? I'm, I'm a planner. You know, I can't do anything without spending a bunch of time mind mapping and planning things out. How does that apply to the world of software development? I mean, I, I can't well, imagine I mean, you just opened very... Xcode and just started coding things in, right? I mean, you, you must have had kind of a structure to everything before you started working in earnest on this. So that's a very broad question. And I don't feel competent to answer the, the question, how does that apply to software development? <laughs> because yeah. well, how, well, how I can, do you I do can answer how it applies to me. Um, yeah, that, that's specific, I mean. So spe specifically for napkin, um, napkin started out as a project called whiteboard that I was doing. Uh, and in many ways it was, uh, an experiment. Um, I, this was pre-2010, so I don't know, 2008, 2007. This was after the iPhone, uh, but before the iPad came out. Uh, napkin, the, the background looked like a chalkboard. Um, there was no toolbar. There was only, um, there was a tray on the bottom that looked like the dock, like the OS X dock. And you can drag and drop shapes off of it or click them and add them. Uh, it would interpret the shapes that you drew. Uh, and we had, or I had, cause it was only me at the time, uh, pop-ups that ended up looking like what happened on the iPad a couple of years later. It was more of an experiment and a learning place for me than a, a product. Um, it was only when I teamed up with Chris that we turned it into a more of a product focused direction and we chose then we chose the uh the iWork suite as being our target 
template, I guess, I guess you'd say like we, we wanted to look like we were one of the iWorks suite rather than being, you know, sort of a very experimental Mac app. I think um, that's a pretty good model because, you know, us users are used to the iWork suite and uh, tool, maybe that's why I took to napkin. Frankly, I didn't, I didn't think of that, but it, it allows you to quickly get in and use what you need. Thanks. Yeah. We did that consciously. Like we, we, we really do try and uh, you know, the iWork suite has been updated and without promising or giving anything away, you can expect napkin yeah. to sort of follow the, that, that pattern, right? Like we, we have a family of apps who want to be in and, you know, so you can expect that to, to follow along. Um, sure. So as, as to setting down to, to, to create something, um, napkin really was a playground for me. So I don't know if that's a great one to, to, you know, to talk about, um, for clients when I know exactly what they want, um, I'll sketch out briefly what I think the structure should be. And then I'll just, I will just take the Xcode, do it. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a great idea, but I've got a bunch of experience. And so I can tell like, with this kind of app, you can do this with that kind of app. You do that. Like, like I have a, a decent guideline, you know? I was going to say, before you move on from there, you've got a client who comes to you and says, this is what I want. And mm-hmm. I, I guess I've just seen that so many times where clients have come to me and said, this is what I want. And and I very politely say, no, 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 it isn't, um, you know, yeah. without trying to change their vision or, or the end goal. Um how does how does that work? Because when the clients say, this is what I want, I want, do you find that they sometimes come to you with completely unrealistic expectations or, or you just try to push them in, in areas where things would work better or, um, or do you just tell them no sometimes or your clients a little more sophisticated and they've been through this before and they know that this is how things work. One of the things I feel guilty about is cashing a paycheck where all I've done is said no. (laughs) In that, um, Yeah, there are plenty of times where people have come to me and been like, can this be possible? Can you research it? And I'll look into it and be like, look, this is going to take a long time. Like, here's what it's going to take to implement this. And, you know, they say, thank you. And they give me a check and I feel guilty because I haven't actually added anything. I've only stopped it. Um, but I, I don't, I, I think there's a huge value in having the experience and the ability to look at something and say, no, this is just never going to fly. Um, it's difficult. And it's never fun. But I, well, I think it's, it's so I think necessary, it's, though. Exactly. I think it's so important that, you know, I mean, come on, as a lawyer, how many times do you have to be like, no, that's just not a thing. Like, we can't. There's, there's a quote, and I uh, it's often attributed to Abraham Lincoln, but I researched it once and I forget who it was somebody else who actually came up with it first, but it said half of a lawyer's job is to tell his client he's being a damn fool. Yeah. I believe and that, and yeah. I, I just want to have it etched in like, you know, titanium and hung on the wall in my office. Yeah. But a, the, a, um, a good friend of mine is a lawyer and you know, every, you know, every couple of weeks we have a dinner together and man, if I could get him like a bracelet with that 
etched into it. <laughs> you would wear that forever. Yeah. But I would imagine that's really important for you too. I, there's yeah. um, some local programming, you know, iOS groups that I occasionally, they have dinners and occasionally I go. And the problem is I write for Macworld and I go to these things and all these people want, you know, they, I get like mobbed at these things because they think I'm going to help them. And, <laughs> and, and there's, I, I didn't realize it until I started going to some of these that, there's this whole like ecosystem of people out there. And this is only since the iOS success of the app store and the iOS of these people who really have no knowledge or idea of what makes a good app, but they've got a few thousand dollars and they hire somebody to make them an app. Yeah. And then they don't understand why it's not, you know, it's not allowing them to buy their Island in the, you know, the Caymans and, and it's really, it's like, there's a whole bunch of those people that really needed to be told no. And they right. weren't. And, yeah. and people took their money and they've got these apps and they're just, it's just grist for the mill. That's a good way of putting it. Grist for the mill. Um, I think it's easy to have contempt or at least to show contempt for those kind of people. Uh, I, that, I have pity not, for them. Exactly. Don't it's think, not their they fault. don't even know what they're getting into. Yeah, It's not their fault. Uh, you know, it's, I don't know, the, the only thing that's happened is that nobody has taken the time to explain to them that it doesn't work like the way that they think it works. Yeah. So if you, um, but, but yeah, I just kind of want to get back a little bit to the nuts and bolts. Like as you're developing something like Napkin, I understand that it's, it's almost kind of like the little Petri dish app where you're playing with it and you're using it. And at the same time, you're building an app around it. But does this all happen in Xcode at this? I mean, has Xcode developed to the point where you do just basically everything there or um, like the design elements, are those done somewhere else? So, with okay, so with napkin, once it became, once we decided to, God, I don't want to use this word, but once we decided to pivot and 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 you know actually make it a product, yeah. Um, Chris and I brought on board uh, an old friend of mine, uh, a very close friend of mine, this guy called uh, Thomas Unterberger, who did a lot of the design, um, and. I think very soon after we decided to sort of make it a, a, a concern, we managed to get together all here in Montreal um, and talk about exactly what it was we wanted. Thomas will do a bunch of mock-ups in Photoshop, send them out, and we'll discuss them over Skype. Uh, we have a weekly meeting over Skype. Uh, yeah. Every day we chat over Slack and all of our support comes through Fogbugs. Uh, and that's generally how we communicate. Um, we'd like to get together in person more often, and we're we're going to be looking into that this year. To like, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm hope I'm, I haven't booked it yet, but I'm going to be traveling to Portland for XOXO. I'm not going to be attending, but Chris and I will be there, and we'll at least get a chance to to meet up. I tried to get an XOXO this year too, and I didn't make the cut. Sadly, you should have made the um, cut. I don't know, man. I'm, you know, whatever. Uh, but the, um, the, uh, but getting back to, so, so you guys are meeting and one of the apps you said you use is Slack and that is yeah. coming up more frequently on our show. Yeah. It's like the darling right now. And the so, last so several shows Slack actually. Yeah. So, I mean, I started using Slack just recently. Um, one of the other projects I have is the Singleton conference that we hold here in Montreal. 
And uh, the organizers of Singleton started using Slack. Um, I think it was uh, Luke's suggestion. Could have been Scott Morrison's. Either way, whatever. They decided to use Slack, so of course I'm on board. Um, it's worked out pretty well. So we started using it for Asian Still. That's the uh, the company that does napkin. Um, it it works nicely. It works well. It's a pain in the ass when you have two different accounts and you've got two different things going on. Uh, but they say they're working on that. It's to me, it's a little over featured. I like my apps with like zero features, but you know, to each their own. Yeah, well, it's definitely got like a lot of wood behind the bat right now. Everybody's right. talking about it. And, um, and you know, there, there's this whole new, you know, system where there's all these companies in particular, you see this in the software business, but it's, it's in other types of businesses too. We hear about it from our listeners all the time where you're, you have these remote workers and everybody's in different locations and you need a way to quickly and easily communicate with each other without being completely offensive and, you know, picking up the phone every five minutes. Right. And, um, and the reason I think Slack has got so much acceptance is because nobody really has done it right yet. No. And they've probably come closest to what I've seen. They, yeah. they do a good now job. How, yeah. how does it relate for you? Cause I, I'm a big fan of Glassboard. Yeah. And I've been using that. I'm on a couple of betas for some apps where I'm on a Glassboard, And whenever we like meet as a group for like Macworld or something, we usually have a glass board or two. Mm-hmm. Um, how does it compare to, or does it even compare to that? Am I mixing apples and oranges? Um, that's a good question. I use Glassboard a lot for, again, for like different various betas uh, and especially for conference going. And, uh, you know, Justin Williams is a, is a pal. And yeah. so is Ben Simmons. Uh, so I, you know, I've been a long time supporter of Glassboard. Uh, I think Slack just works well because it's got a pretty decent desktop client on the Mac, and we work yeah. mostly on the Mac. Um, and while that desktop client is very little more than just a web view inside a window, it is at least its own thing. Um, I constantly lose, quote unquote web apps in you know in some tab in in, in one of the 80 million windows i've got (laughs) you would not believe how much i use the web i read an awful lot and you know i just keep losing apps like i don't even know where to find them so the fact that it has its own thing that in my dock that you know maybe that's enough to make it more useful yeah, I like because I have all these tabs open, and you know, command. If you don't know, command W closes the current tab if you're in yeah. your Safari. And so, once about once a day, I just have a fit, and I just start mashing command W, and I always end up closing the one window that I needed to keep. Oh yeah, I do that constantly. Yeah. Well, constantly. You know what? I have that fit maybe once a week. Yeah. And it takes me like half an hour to close everything. And you know what sucks? Yeah. Like when you close a tab and then you do the uh, command um, uh, apostrophe, command, command apostrophe, yeah. shift, to, shift to the next window. Like it screws up the window ordering. Yeah. That's infuriating. Like, uh, yeah. yeah. It takes me forever to, to, to clean up my mess. And my mess is like good intentioned. I'm like, I want to read all of this or I need to interact with this in some way. And then just that I get buried under it. 
So, how, how so much Mac Power yeah. users, guess what? I'm horrible at using a Mac. <laughs> <laughs> we all are. That's why we do this. You right. know, it's, it's, it's group therapy. <laughs> uh, now, how much of your time, because in addition to, you know, writing an application, you're really running a business as well. Yeah. And, and this is, it sounds to me like the first time that you've been, you know, the guy who sweeps the broom and is at the top of the, the pile here as well. So sure. how much of your time are you finding that, you're doing things you never thought you'd be doing now that you're running a company in essence. Um, so there's, yeah, there is a bunch of that. There's a bunch of side stuff. I mean, I check support every day. Uh, yeah. my partner, Chris actually responds to most of them, but I mean, I read everything and chip in where I can, uh, any problems that come up, I just go and immediately investigate them. Um, besides that, I've got all my contracting, uh, then I do a bunch of writing on the side uh, yeah. and I do podcasting and I'm, yeah, you're producing a podcast and, 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 and yeah, and I'm putting on a conference in Montreal. So, uh, I'm, I'm really all over the map. Um, so how I had no idea that you were like organizing singleton until we started prepping for the show. Yeah, I'm um, yeah. one of three people. Yeah, Luke Vandal, uh, myself, and uh, Scott Morrison, uh, with a lot of help from other people. Uh, yeah, so. that's impressive, yeah. though. I mean, guy, that's because that's one of the. It's like the um, Singleton is like the model conference for what's happening these days. You know, because the big conferences are getting harder and harder to pull off. I think yeah. MacWorld's kind of an exception because. Well, Mac people are so, yeah, yeah sure. they're so enthusiastic, yeah. but for just, you know, the generic, you know, 10,000 person conference on aluminum siding, I mean, nobody cares about that stuff anymore, but Singleton was the first one I heard about. That's just like small, intimate group of people where it's, it's almost relationship building as much as it isn't, I, I don't know. I shouldn't say it cause you guys are the ones putting it together, but it just seemed from the outside, it just seems like a really kind of kumbaya thing to go to. <laughs> I don't know if I w would have used Kumbaya, but I think that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. We, to be honest, we wanted to have some, um, C4 ended. Yeah. Uh, Will French, C4. Brilliant. Like it's, it's the, uh, it's the template for so much stuff that's come past, that's come after it. Um, and we wanted to have a kind of party on the East Coast because there's a lot of people on the East Coast. Um, yeah. And then, so, you know, we, we planned that and we were excited about it. And then we realized that, like, well, you know, these people need an actual excuse to get away from their jobs. Uh, so we should have some talks. And that became the first Singleton. And we really, it's, it's called Singleton because we meant there to be one. Yeah. Well, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> no, because we had such a great time and we, you know, so, you know, we're, we're on our fourth right now. Um, 
I all right. I want to I want to talk about that. I want okay. what goes because I've we never had anyone on the show that puts one of these conferences together, and I'm sure there's some interesting uh, tricks to this. Uh, before we do that, though, I do want to talk about our sponsor one more time, and and that's Smile, uh, and that's another one of these you know small Mac developers that's amazing, like Guy, and one of their premier products is PDF Pin. Katie talked earlier about PDF Pin for the Mac. I I really am a big fan of PDF Pin for iPad, and if you don't believe me. Go to their website, and they've got a little link there for the video tutorial. Uh, there is a 47-minute tutorial there that I made. I forgot how long it was. I was looking at it last night. <laughs> and um, I went through and just explained how I use the application from soup to nuts because I work with PDFs all day, every day. And PDF Pin for iPad is, is wonderful. It uses the iCloud, so you can sync the stuff right back to your Mac. And you don't have to worry about pressing a sync button or making sure anything's working. But it's also just a really powerful application for managing PDFs. PDFs on your iPad. Um, they've got tools in there that are really desktop class tools. You can go into, as an example, if you've got a, um, a piece of text in a PDF file and it's wrong, like we had one just last week where somebody misspelled my name. How could you misspell my name, right? <laughs> Sparks, it's easy. But they did. And, and I wasn't going to sign something that said David Scraps, you know, because maybe I do scrap once in a oh, while. Oh, that was me. So, Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, but using PDF Pen on my iPad, I was able just to go in there and you actually make changes to the text and get it done just like that. Um, it's It allows you to... Um, to take the PDFs and not only, you know, make changes like that, but you can also do the annotations. Like if you want to draw a circle around something, or if you want to go in and apply uh, corrections, you can, you can put a signature in there. It saves graphical assets that you can drop right on it. One of the things they have that I really love is the, you know, the common corrections. So when I'm proofreading something, I can, like sometimes I proofread a PDF document, I can just drop in the corrections from their library then I can send it to the other guy and let let them figure out getting it fixed. I just have to make the little changes. And like Katie was saying, they work really great with the stylus. So it's just a really natural fit to sit there with your iPad. In fact, that's the reason why I went with the iPad Air is because I just wanted a bigger screen for PDF pin for iPad. So that tells you how much I love it. It does highlighting as well. It's got great library management. You can display like all of the pages from a document in little thumbnails so you can reorder them and you can rotate them, do all the great stuff you want to do and it's road ready i mean there's nothing nicer than when you just can't take it anymore you know you need to get out of your workspace to take your ipad with you and you've got your pdfs on it because icloud syncs them right over to the pdf pin for ipad from the mac and you can go get coffee or sit in a park or do something just change your environment and still get some productive work done it's just a great application and they're constantly developing it and making it better um, Katie talked a little bit about some of the cool things they've been doing lately, like the Apple script on the Mac side. Uh, but I have to tell you, I spend more of my time with PDF pin on iPad than I do on a Mac because I just love that ability to sit back. It, it changes the experience for me. I still giggle a little bit when I think about the fact that I can have thousands of pages of PDFs in this little iPad I carry around with me and PDF pin for iPad is the way to get it done. So, so go check it out. You can find them in the app store at smile software, or just search PDF pin and you'll find it right there. They have a version for the iPad. They also have a version for the Mac. If you, I'm sorry, they have a version for the iPad. They have a version for the iPhone and both of them use iCloud syncing and they have a version for the Mac. 
Um, and if you have any questions about it, uh, go over to their website at smilesoftware.com and watch my 47 minute video. And uh, it will show you all of the different things you can do with the application. And by the time you get to the end of it, you'll probably just buy it just so you can stop hearing my voice. But maybe you'll even be a little bit better at PDF Pin while you're at it. Uh, thanks, Smile, for all your support of the show. And everybody go check out PDF Pin for iPad. Completely unsolicited. Uh, I use PDF Pin often. I have friends that work at Smile, and I think it's a great app. So they, They're just great people. I mean, it's Oh, just... yeah. It's we're, we are, you know, I, I, I'm going to stop banging away at this drum, but it, it's just amazing to me that the Mac has developed this circle of developers like you and the people attending Singleton and people at smile and boy, it just makes using these computers such a joy. I mean, you know, usually you're using these computers to do work, but when you can do it with an app that makes you smile. Um, that's, you know, something <laughs> special. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. As I yeah. said it, I'm like, Oh wow, that was just way too much. It wasn't intended, but, you know. But they do. It's a great app, and they're great people, and uh, completely unsolicited. Give them your support. Yeah. Um, so when, you, when you're putting on a conference like Singleton, that's a completely different skill set than making a, a great app. I mean, so, I mean, how yeah. do you even get started with that, and, and how are you pulling that off with your technology? Um, poorly. <laughs> I don't know. Um, as so, every every job I've ever had, I have been underqualified for, uh, and I think that's probably the best way that anybody should go about their life. Uh, um, if you know exactly that you're capable of doing something, you should probably try to press yourself a little bit more. And creating a conference, I had no idea how to do. Um, but we did it, and it turned out well. Um, how do we manage it? We communicate often. Um, we uh, sort of diversify our, our responsibilities in, the, you know, like one year, maybe Scott will be responsible for the venue, or Luke will be responsible for the venue, and I'll be responsible for the speakers, or, or, or that kind of thing. Um, you know, who, who's responsible for making sure the payments go through on whatever payment processor we've we've chosen for the year. We, we divvy that up. Um, the, you know, the most intimidating part of that whole thing to me is like, how do you manage, you know, how many people do you have attending it? It's about, a, about 150. Yeah. So it's mean, not that much. Like, it's, That's it's still enough a that you lot. Can have personal contract. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's like, how do you manage making sure 150 people, you know, know where to be and get paid up and have, you know, place to sleep when they get there? And, and, you know, when you've got a group of 150 people, there is going to be somebody, at least one or two people that have some crisis when they get there. That is probably no fault of their own, but, you know, you, you feel some responsibility towards making sure that they, they deal with whatever I, I, the problem. I feel like a lot of responsibility. Yeah. 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 I mean, uh, so last year, I guess I can say this, uh, uh, Will French was trying to check in and he was a speaker and the hotel didn't have a room for him. Yeah. And, you know, we, we book rooms for speakers and make sure that everybody's okay. So I get a text from him saying that he's been refused entry to the hotel and, you know, I'm in a panic and he's, yeah. Know, he's gone down the street to a coffee shop. 
Um, I think we we registered him as, you know, Wolf rather than Jonathan. Yeah. Something like that. And whatever, it didn't come through. Whatever they typed in the, into their computer, it didn't come through. And that, that, that sucked. And we managed to sort it out. But, you know, my heart was in my throat for like a good 10 minutes of like, what the hell is going on? Um, and, and to be perfectly honest, that's part of the game. Yeah. You will not ever get everything right. You've got to be able to roll with this stuff when you're doing that kind of life. It's a, you know, it, in a lot of ways, it's a live performance. Yeah, so. I have so much respect for you guys and people like Paul Kent and Kathy and even Jean McDonald putting on these app camps She's for great. girls. Yeah. I mean, I just talked to Jean recently and she did a app camp and she had a bunch of people sleeping in her house. Well, you know, because, you know, they're trying to do it on a budget. It's a nonprofit. And at the same time, they've got all these, you know, tweener girls they're trying to take care of and make sure they don't get in trouble. It's like, it's just crazy. I don't, I don't know um, that there's much workflowy stuff in that, but I, I have a lot of my hats off to you. Yeah. I don't think you're going to get a software or like one neat trick that will make you be able to manage 12, 13 year old girls. I, I don't think that's going to happen. If you um, do, you'll G- make a lot of money. Gina bribes them with <laughs> Starbucks cards. So I hear, I hear that works. Yeah. Yeah. But the, um, so, but just in terms of like general information, like sometimes uh, we talk to people who say like, oh, they're a big Evernote user and that's how they can keep all that information. I mean, how do you have the information you need necessary to you available when you're running around trying to set up single t- or during the conference? Well, okay, so during the conference is one thing. Um, Prior to the conference, it's a lot of email. This year, we've started to use Slack, as I was saying earlier. Um, I use Mail Act On, which one of my singleton partners, uh, Scott Morrison, actually puts out. So I don't want that to sound like a plug, but go buy that. Well, Scott, Uh, is he's like the guy. He's the mail plug-in guy. He does Mail Act On. And he does, um, I would say the mail tags. Mail tags, yeah. And he's also got one that kind of miniaturizes. I forget what it is. but I yeah. am going to blank on it, which is horrible. But yeah, he's, uh, if you like mail, yeah. Scott's, your, Scott's your guy, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I use his app a lot to sort of manage where my email goes so I can, I can read it all in a chunk. Uh, we've been using Slack. Uh, you know, obviously we use iMessage and all that. At during the conference, um, I can't say that it's a very technological solution to that. Um, people come to me with problems, and I either fix them immediately, or I go to the person who can fix them immediately. Uh, I don't know if there's a Maybe there's a great technical way to manage that, but I I, I certainly don't have one. That yeah. that is a very visceral sort of immediacy problem that that I don't feel comfortable putting into like a reminders list or something. Like it, it either gets taken care of immediately, one way or the other, or it gets handed off to somebody who can take care of it. Immediately, one way or the other. Yeah, you know, I'm going to go one year. I'm going to attend, and I'm going to be your fixer. Yeah, you should. That'd be great. I'm, I'm just going to be up in my room, and <laughs> you know, you're going to say, Dave, um, 
something happened and we need you to fix something and I'll just show up. <laughs> just like that guy in that uh, Quentin Tarantino movie, you know? <laughs> to be, okay, just just for your listeners, nobody has ever been shot in the head at Singleton. It's not, it's, it's not that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, but, you know, I was thinking first. as you're talking... I was thinking as you're talking, you know, uh, you don't realize it, but Montreal is like a hotbed of like great Apple development. I mean, they're, I mean, cause you're there. Um, I didn't realize. So the, so the, so the guy who does mail act on is in Montreal as well. He was, he's now in Calgary. But okay. But I mean, until like eight months ago. Yeah. And then the one password guys are in, I believe they're in Quebec, aren't they? Uh, they're in Toronto mostly. Oh, okay. That's right. I think there's a couple in Quebec, but yeah, yeah. I mean they're it's, Canadian, so there's, good there's some great stuff going on up there. Uh, Luke Luke Vandal, my other business partner for Singleton, is uh, he does screens, which is the sort of preeminent uh, remote desktop app for iOS. Yeah, that's a great app. I use it. I've got to get, I've got my, uh, my grandfather's uh, Shakespeare copy of Shakespeare is he, he was uh French Canadian and oh. it's from LaSalle. Uh, was it LaSalle? I think boys school or something in like, Oh, cool. 1907 or something. I, one day you I'm should return go that. The library fees are going to be killer. Oh no. I think it was his copy. It was like, but <laughs> yeah, at okay. least that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> Well, one of the things you all do every year at Singleton is you have kind of a theme, and I'm not sure you've announced it for this year. It's it's lenses, but do you keep do you? How does that theme get formulated? Do you have a couple of speakers in mind, and then you try to come up with a theme, or do you give the speakers give you feedback, or do you come up with a theme and then give the speakers ideas for talks, or how how do you put together the entire message and the theme of the conference? Uh, we work backwards from what we want to hear, uh, which is to say that we come up with the theme, then we pick the speakers and we more or less tell them what to talk about. Uh, we don't dictate what they're going to say. We just say that this is the theme and we'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Um, for the most part, We've picked them because we believe that they have something worthwhile to say about the theme. Uh, so that has seldomly been a problem because they, they've been like, oh, yeah, I've got plenty to say about that. Yeah. Um, it's it's worked so far, and I, I, I think it will continue to work. Um, it What we don't do, and I, I, I'm... I, I do kind of worry about this is that we don't solicit uh, talks effectively. Like, you know, we don't, we don't solicit people to, to give a speech about whatever they want. Um, I do worry that that may be damaging to our diversity efforts. Uh, but we do try very hard to sort of counteract that. Well, it's always a challenge because you want to keep it fresh for the audience too. I, so one of the goals of Singleton is that if a speaker speaks frequently at other conferences, we don't want them. Yeah. And which is not to say that they're not great and they're not brilliant speakers. Uh, we just want to have like a, freshness I, I i don't care if you're a poor speaker 
I'd rather have a poor speaker than somebody who's going to do the, the the same gig again. Yeah, I see. Uh, not, not that the gig is bad, but you know, we'll roll the dice on on, on a newbie. Well, the, you know, the the Apple community in general is very forgiving of someone if they've got something interesting to say. Um, I the, the experience I have because I I speak kind of on two different. In two different environments, I do some speaking for the Apple stuff, and I do some speaking for the Bar Association and like the ABA, sure. and it, they're completely different audiences and different problems. But like one of the big problems, kind of in the legal racket, is you get people up there that want to sell from the podium. They want to get up there and tell about right. their you know whatever. And I just never seen that in yeah. any Apple conference I've ever attended. People yeah, aren't I, like I, that. Yeah, I I won't have that. I, yeah. I don't like that. Kitty, you got to cut off a little bit. Don't you? Yeah, I was just going to say, you, it looks like you've got some great speakers starting out this year. You've got uh, Jean McDonald. Again, we've talked about her with AppCamp, Alan Pike, and Laura, is it Savina? Yep. Yeah. She she works for Khan Academy. Right. Mm. So. Uh, and then there's more to come. Um, I'm, I'm always proud of the speakers that we have. Uh, they... You know, like like debug. I think that the speakers at Singleton are really what makes the show notable to outside observers. Um, Singleton is more than that because it's not just the speakers. And you know, we we release their videos for free every year. If you want to see what the speakers have to say, there it's available. It's not a problem. Um, but the community. And, and the people who are there, I think, really make Singleton what happens. Um, which is another reason why I like to encourage people who haven't been speaking often to sort of take the stage. Even if they feel uncomfortable about it. I'd, I'd, I'd rather hear what they have to say than uh, have it, you know, missed, basically, in the... In the chatter that is, frankly, people like me blabbering on on podcasts all the time, like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> I'd, I'd rather hear from other people. I think it's valuable. I think that makes a lot of sense. So this year, um, it's October tenth through twelfth, uh, twenty fourteen, in Montreal. Um, now, uh, ha- is it too late to get a ticket, or are people? Yeah, it's sold out. Yeah, sorry. See? Pretty much, yeah. We should have had well, you on. A few so, ago. I mean, here, here's the well. Here's the other thing: is that uh, it sells out before we go public every year. Yeah, and I, I don't know what to do about that. It's, I think the first, uh, the first year, I had to ask uh, John Gruber to not advertise it because we were selling pretty quick, and every year after that, it's just immediately gone uh which is not to pat my own back it's more to say that you know we're not capable of making everybody happy so and and, you know and at a certain point you you know there's there's a real risk of growing it too big and then making it into something that it's you know losing the magic sure yeah i mean we don't make money off of this we basically break even every year uh on some years, we make enough money to put the first down payment on the hotel for the next year. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we don't. 
this is not a money-making proposition. If we wanted to build Cube, yeah, we, we could probably find a place that will fit a thousand people. I, it wouldn't be the same thing. It would yeah. be the same name, sure, but it wouldn't be the same thing. So, you know, we're, we're a bunch of people that would rather have a good product and try to share it as much as possible in, in terms of the videos rather than just, you know, having as many people as possible show up. So, so guy, um, tell me some of the, the little apps you use now that you've, you've been on this <laughs> Mac since I was at OS eight. <laughs> some, what are some of the little tricks and apps that you use every day to, to get through the day? So this is kind of what I dreaded about coming on this show is that, um, I really don't customize OS ten that much, okay. well, or, or, yeah. or Xcode or anything. Mostly because uh, I switch it up so often that uh, it's 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 a fool's game to try to customize everything. That said, uh, if you don't go to system preferences and increase the keyboard repeat speed immediately, you're failing. <laughs> okay that's the wrong thing to that's do. a little drastic but yeah i get it I well get it. you know you gotta you know keyboard yeah. repeat speed is great um yeah. i run fantastical on fantastical yeah. on every mac i've got because it are, just makes entering dates way easier are you using it on ios too or yep. just on the mac yeah yeah do you have a true. do you have a keyboard shortcut assigned to it i i hit them um, was it control option command f and That's man, exactly, yeah. Same I'm thing. in there. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, I think I remapped it to that, but yeah, weird. I mean, it makes sense. It would guess the same one, but yeah, yeah. Um, I'm on IRC quite a lot, which is weird, but it's sort of my water cooler for Mac development. Really? Yeah. You know, IRC. You don't hear about that much anymore. What, what's your what's your client of choice? Or are you just doing it through the web? Color gray. Yeah, that's the one everybody uses. Yeah, it's the one everybody uses. And you know what? It's pretty shit, but everybody uses it. And so yeah. that's that's fine. And now, is, is there like a secret, like, back-channel IRC room where you and the guys from Smile hang out and talk about <laughs> podcasters? Or what, where, what, what, what rooms do you... Where do you go to do... Is it, like, for your company, or...? No. <laughs> He's just um, chatting with people. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just a it's yeah it's just a general hangout thing for the nice. you know, for the thing. Okay, yeah. You know. Like um, I know a bunch of the guys at at the unofficial Apple weblog tell yeah. me every time I see them. They, oh, I'm sure got, they have a they have an IRC room too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Katie and I have one too, but we're we neither this one of us. Two of you. <laughs> that doesn't work very well. Yeah. I still use Net Newswire to read RSS, which okay. I, wow. I think is coming out of Vogue. But you would not believe how much news I read. I, I it's candy for me. I, I think you should stick with Net Newswire because in like a couple of years, it's going to be like the thing again. So you just go full circle with it. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I, I know people working on it. Like the 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 latest betas and they're, they're good people. So yeah. So why Net Newswire? Just dedication to the to the original development team, or I'd say so. Yeah. Also, you probably got it nailed. Like you know all the keyboard shortcuts, and 
you get through your news very fast with it. Yeah, and I don't mean that to be dismissive of the latest development team, but yeah, my why I use Net Newswire is that like I'm like that I've always used Net Newswire since Vent shifted in whatever 2002, whenever he did. Uh, so I'm not gonna move off it. I, I I know all the keyboard shortcuts. I know what's going on. Um, during these this this long beta process, I I know the people that are working on it, and I and I trust them. Um, and I read an awful lot of news, like so. I I I can't quit it. I, <laughs> How many feeds do you have, guy? Let me see. Do you want to admit to oh, it? Too many. I can't count them. <laughs> now, are you are you just reading for pleasure? I mean, because usually when you see people who who have so much news, it's because that's their job that they've got to keep up with all of this. But that's not the case for you. You just want to know what's going on. Are you skimming? Or are you actually reading all of this? Well, I don't read every article. Sure. Um, but you know, I'll read the headlines and the and the blurb, and then for whatever article I'm interested in, and I'll I'll read it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not my job, but I do like to. I don't know. I'm a junkie. I, yeah, I, I, get I it. don't know what to say. It's 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 actually disruptive to my day job. <laughs> it's not a good I, thing. Every once um, in a while, I go through like a purge, and when when I start seeing the same story like seven times because I'm following too many sites that cover the same stuff. Right. Then then I usually will kind of purge it and just get down to a couple, but then they start growing again. I really love with RSS, the websites that just put out maybe an article sometimes, you know, once every few days or once, once a week. And having a bunch of those in my RSS is really nice because they don't have that fire hose on, but they usually have something pretty important to say when they publish. Right. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, like for yeah. I mean, for like a long time, I've I've stopped now. But I was following uh, BBC News and CNN and God knows yeah. what else, and mostly it's the same stories. Yeah. Uh, so you cull it down to the perspective that you find least least offensive. I, I guess you'd say <laughs> anymore. Yeah. That's that's almost a thing, isn't it? I, you yeah. know, one of the things I know because we've re, we've uh, done these workflows with several programmers over the years, and it's funny because they always say, um, you know, because the nature of your work doesn't require really necessarily a lot of fiddly apps. I mean, you spend like right. hours and hours and hours in Xcode, and you know, Apple has refined that tool to such an extent that you don't need a bunch of plugins for it, or I'm not even sure you can use plugins with Xcode anymore. No. Um, and so they say, well, I use Xcode. And, but then when you start talking to them, you always find out that they've got like scripts they've written and like, like, you know, you said you're using plugins with mail. I mean, it's a lot harder. And this is, there's been a lot of press on this lately and we probably don't need to get into it this late at this late hour, but you know, being a developer is a lot more than sitting down at Xcode and writing uh, code. So I don't have a lot of scripts. Um, yeah. I have heard those shows where, where people that I admire <laughs> tell yeah. you how smart they are. And I'm like, ah, yeah, I really should be that smart. One of the reasons why is that um, I either work with my company, Aged and Distilled, in which we've got a pretty defined uh workflow basically using github and git and, and all of that uh combined with you know 
regular meetings. Or I work for clients and each client has a completely and radically different view of how things should work. Yeah. Um, and you've that, got to kind of play their game because they're paying. I, I, I do. That does not lend itself well to scripts. Uh, yeah. So I've worked with everything, like all of the different weird online ticketing systems, like from Jira to what have you. Uh, and I, I, I need to do that. Um, so it doesn't lead me to a great process that I can explain to your listeners what to, you know, how, things, how things should be done. Um, ultimately, like if there's one power user thing to, to think about, it's that interacting with people often involves adapting to their requirements. Um, and that's, that's honestly part of my job. It's, it's a weird part because you think you hire me to program stuff, but you know, the other part is that you hire me to be able to interact with you and your organization. And you know, a great tool when you have complex interactions, Snapkin. <laughs> Bring like it full circle. Yeah. I like that. Thank you. I, I I would not have. I'm horrible at pitching my own stuff, but yeah, thank you, thank you for that. I mean, visually, maybe so. Yeah. Well, you know, guy, I want to thank you because you've brought so much to the community over the years. I'm like, like I said at the beginning of the show, like when Apple announced Metal, I. I just said, okay, I'll just wait to see what Guy English says about this before I make any decisions <laughs> about it. And, and you, then you wrote this great piece about it and really Thank kind you. of brought it down to a level that even someone as dense as I can understand. And then now you're doing this great podcast, you're doing Singleton, and you're just giving us another example of a great Mac app developer. I don't know how you do it all. And uh, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks Thank for coming you. I, on. I'm, I am, I am amazed that you would have me on this podcast because I consider myself one of the most disorganized people ever to walk the earth. So, yeah, but you ship, so you must be doing something right. You know, <laughs> thank you. And yeah. when, when we, when I emailed you and you said that you'd listen to the show, I found it really quite flattering. Cause I do. Always, it's inspiring. It, it, yeah. it helps me get, get my act together. Yeah. yeah. We, um, we really, uh, we really love doing the show and we, our audience is awesome. So, uh, so guy, uh, I, I'm going to tell everybody go over and check out debug and, and listen to some of the shows. Um, you guys just do some really great work over there through Renee Ritchie. We're going to get Renee on here at some point too. Oh yeah. And, uh, and, um, and thanks so much guy for, for giving us your time. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, I'm at GTE on Twitter. Uh, I write very occasionally at kickingbear.com and you can buy my app napkin on the Mac app store. Yeah. And you can find, uh, the, the debug podcast and oh. singleton. So yeah. go check all those things out. <laughs> I do too many things. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, keeps you young. All right, Katie, wh where can you find us? Well, you can find links to everything that we've talked about in this episode, and there have been a few at our website at MacPowerUsers.com or at 5x5.tv slash MPU. And there you can also send us feedback. Uh, you can either use the contact form on the website or email us feedback directly to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. You can also find us on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. Katie is at Katie Floyd, and I'm at Max Sparky. And we want to thank Smile for sponsoring the show, and we will see you all next week. Thank you.